Mine, mine, mine. Well, today we're talking about somebody who had a mine problem, not a landmine problem, but a, a mine problem, and uh, who had a problem with generosity. Uh, today we are going to look at a story of Jesus as we continue in our sermon series, It's Not About Me. And we've been looking at different passages of scripture that talk about the real purpose of life and, and why we live and what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to live and who we live for. And the one thing that we're going to learn about over these six weeks of this sermon series is that life is not about me and it's not about you. It's not about ourselves. The life is to be lived for Jesus and life is to be lived for others. And that is the true purpose of life. Not that we live for ourselves, but that we live for Jesus and that we live for others. So we're talking about our purpose in life. And like I said, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about Jesus and others. Today we're going to discover from God's word uh, this, uh, a story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 12 as we talk about mine and what's mine. Um, we're talking about uh, what God's plan is for wealth. And how God wants us to use the blessings that he has provided for us. Uh, we're going to discover today that God does not bless us so that we can be greedy. Grab your Bible. Uh, turn to Luke chapter 12 verses 13 through 21. And that's where we're going to be today as we look at a story that Jesus told. It's a parable. And uh, you can also turn in your bulletin to the third page and you will find the handy dandy outline. It is back after a three-week painful hiatus, or two-week painful hiatus, apparently. Um, they cheered in the first service, but uh, so, so you'll find the return of the handy-dandy outline. It's kind of more of an extended outline. It's a new and improved handy-dandy outline. So uh, we're going to look at Luke chapter 12. And in Luke 12, a crowd of thousands had gathered around Jesus. This huge crowd of people had gathered around him, and they were. Jesus started teaching his disciples. He was teaching his disciples. He was encouraging them. He was warning them. And uh, in the first eleven verses of Luke, uh, first twelve verses of Luke twelve, he's he's teaching his disciples. And then all of a sudden, in verse thirteen, a man gets up and he shouts above the crowd, and he begins to to ask a question of Jesus. So look at uh, Luke twelve. Starting in verse 13, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? So you have this oldest son. And in Jesus's day, the oldest son was worth, uh, was not worth, but he, he would receive double the inheritance of the other sons. Now in my family, that would mean that I being the oldest, and believe me, my brothers like to reinforce the fact that I am the oldest, uh, but I would get double the inheritance uh, that they would get. Uh, they would have to divide half the inheritance while I would receive half just for myself. So I got that going for me. And uh, thank you to everybody who came last week for Pastor Appreciation Potluck and for the birthday party that my wife threw for me. My birthday was not last week. And I kept wondering, why is everybody coming up to me saying happy birthday? My birthday's not for 10 more days. And now it's just three days away. The big 4-0. Um, but uh, so thank you again for everybody who came last week. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. But this younger son here in this story, in today's story, this younger son had a very valid argument. 
It sounds like his older brother was greedy and didn't want to share the inheritance with his younger siblings. And so he says, Jesus, put him in his place. Jesus, make him give me what I deserve. And Jesus says, well, why should I do that? Who made me a judge between the two of you? Who made me an arbiter between the two of you? And then he goes on to give this man a response that would not have made him happy. Look at verse 15. Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So Jesus tells this man, and he tells us, life isn't about wealth. Life isn't about possessions. Life isn't about things. And he goes on to tell a story. A parable, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Look in verse 16. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy eat drink and be merry do y'all know that that was in the bible yep but god said to him you fool this very night your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself see life isn't about possessions this landowner didn't get it he didn't understand that life is not about things it's not about stuff and we are a nation of people who are really you know completely uh, fascinated with stuff and we are devoted to stuff we love stuff and this this man here he hoarded his wealth he hoarded his possessions you know he just didn't understand um, that life is not about the things he would have been part of the one percent the less than one percent actually in his day, less than 1% of the population would be able to do what this man did. He was part of the wealthiest 1% of his day. And so he decides, and he made his living, he made his money, he made his fortune on the backs of hardworking peasants who, uh, who um, took care of his fields and took care of his crops and took care of his animals and took care of his things. And he laughed all the way to the bank. And he said, I've got so much stuff that I don't even know what to do with it. So he exploited the poor in order to make more and more and more. You know, wealthy Jews in Jesus' day would have been very concerned. They would have been very concerned that of all the things that they stored up for themselves, that eventually somebody would come along and squander it. Kind of like the story of the, the prodigal son who went off, who took half the inheritance that he was owed and he went off to a foreign land and he squandered it. See, that was something the Jews were very concerned about. They didn't want their possessions being squandered, their, their things being squandered. They worked hard for it, and they felt like it was theirs. Like the bird, they said, mine. So Jesus sums up his teaching in verse 21. Look at verse 21. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. See, hoarding wealth, hoarding possessions... It's not the purpose of life. Rather, we are to live generously. If you'll turn to your outline, we'll fill in some blanks here. The, there are three realizations that we need regarding wealth and possessions. The first is, God is the source of our blessings. 
God is the source of all of our blessings. Um, in Luke 12, 16, read that with me. Luke 12, 16, look at that verse. It says he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. Who produced the crop? The ground. It wasn't the rich man. It doesn't say the rich man produced a good crop. It says the ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. In other words, it was the ground that provided it. Who controls the ground? God. It's God's ground. God is the one who provided the seed, right? God is the one who made the seed. God is the one who sent the sunshine. God is the one who sent the rain. God is the one who made the seed grow in the dirt. He made the fertile soil. God is the one who's in control. God is the one who's in, contr- who's in charge. God is the one who provided this good crop for this rich man. God is the one who provides. God is the one who is the source of all of our blessings. God is the one who controls the ground and the sun and the rain and the seed. He is the source of blessings. He owns everything. Everything you have, everything I have, God owns it all. It's his. He's the one who has blessed us with it. He is the one who has given us the blessings of this life. He is the one who takes care of us. He is the provider of all that we have. Every blessing we have comes from God. The book of James says that every good and perfect gift is from God above. Everything we have comes from God, and everything we have comes from him. We may think that we are self-made people. You know, we may think, well, I'm like Frank Sinatra. I'm going to do it my way. You can think that. You can think, I've, I've worked hard. I have put my hand to the plow. I have put my hand, I've worked, I've spent years in the mill, or I've spent years in the office. I've worked hard for this money. I've worked hard for this paycheck. You know, it's mine. I worked hard for this food. It's mine. I worked hard for this house. It's mine. I worked hard for my car. It's mine. Right? We all know people like that. We are people like that. I worked hard for this. It's, it's mine. 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 Really. Who provided the job that paid for the food? Who provided the job that paid for the car? Who provided the job that paid for the house? See, God provides for our every need. He is the one who gives us everything that we have. He is the one who gave us the strength to go to work. He is the one who provided the job that we have to go to. He is the one who has provided for everything. He has put us in charge of managing the resources and the wealth and the possessions that he has provided. And there's a very specific reason that God has chosen to make us what we call stewards There's a reason that God has put us in charge of certain wealth and possessions and things. That God has given us a responsibility. And we are to manage it well. And to be good stewards of all that he has given. And so there's a very specific reason why he puts us in charge of this stuff. But before we talk about the reason why he puts us in charge of it, I want to talk about the reason why he doesn't put us in charge of it. That the reason that it's not the reason why he puts us in charge of it. Second blank on your outline is that we are not blessed so that we can hoard. We are not blessed so we can hoard. God's blessings are not for hoarding. Look at verses 18 and 19 again. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. 
God has not given us the things. He has not blessed us with possessions and with resources and money and things He's, and wealth. He has not blessed us with these things so that we can hoard them up, so that we can just hang on to them. That's not why he has blessed us. When I was a kid, when I was in junior high, I had a poster on my wall. Okay, It was in my room, and it was a Garfield poster. For those of you who don't know who Garfield was, he was a little cat uh, who could talk. Or at least he could think out loud, and people could kind of understand him. Anyway, so uh, Garfield the cat was on my poster, and he's wearing fashionable clothing. And, uh, well, what was fashionable in the 80s, at least. Uh, so he's wearing fashionable clothing. He's wearing... Uh, Cool sunglasses. I think he even had a Don Johnson Miami Vice jacket on for all of you children of the 80s like I am. Um, So there's Garfield in his Don Johnson style Miami Vice jacket. Uh, He's got a a big mansion in the background. There is a yacht in the background. And the dream car of every junior high boy, a Lamborghini. Oh, how I wanted a Lamborghini when I was a kid. And now I'm such like a, 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 a... a, uh, a conservative, safe driver, I wouldn't know what to do with one. I couldn't get it out of second gear. I'd be like, I'm going too fast. I'd be white-knuckling it down the highway doing 55 miles an hour. What am I going to do with my Lamborghini? Anyway, um, so I had this poster of Garfield with the Lamborghini and the yacht and the mansion and the Don Johnson-style jacket. And uh, sure enough, Garfield has a little thought bubble coming out of his head. And the thought bubble says, whoever dies with the most toys wins. And see, that was me. I was like, I, yeah, I, that's what I want. I want. I want the toys. Problem with that thinking is that in reality, whoever dies with the most toys still dies. You can't take it with you. The stuff you accumulate that you put in your storage unit, that you put in your barns, that you put in your garage, that you put in your basement, that you put in your man cave, all that stuff ain't going with you. It's not. Who's going to get it when you're gone? You know what's going to happen? Your kids are going to fight over it. Your grandkids are going to fight over it. Is it worth it? So, I mean, when you think about um, a verse like Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, look at this verse real quick. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry idolatry. Well, that's a word we don't use very much, is it? You see, hoarding is a symptom of a bigger problem. It is a symptom of greed and idolatry. And idolatry is something that we tend not to think of in the 21st century America. When we hear idolatry, we think of Old Testament, right? Golden calves, bronze uh, statues of, of kings, uh, graven images, that kind of stuff. Those, those, you know, those people back in the primitive days. When they used to bow down to statues and they worshipped golden calves. <laughs> we don't our, our our idols, they're not gold. They're green. They got pictures of dead presidents on them. Right? That's our idol. We bow down and we worship the mighty dollar. I'm not gonna say the almighty dollar. There's only one almighty, and that's God. But we worship the mighty dollar. Greed is the problem. You know, greed is the, and, and hoarding is the symptom of this sickness of greed. John D. Rockefeller was the first billionaire in America. The first billionaire, not the last, but he was the first billionaire in America. Do you know how much his net worth would be in today's dollars? $340 billion. That's five times what Bill Gates is worth. <laughs> 
340 billion with a B dollars. He was once asked, how much is enough? And we already said, just one dollar more. See, that's greed. That's hoarding. That's a sickness. That is a sin sickness. I just want one dollar more. Just one dollar more. That is a black hole. That is a bottomless pit that will never be satisfied, that will never be filled. And you know what we think? We hear a story like that about Rockefeller and we think, that's preposterous. I mean, if I had a a billion dollars, I'd be satisfied. Really? Would you? You think so, huh? If you had a billion dollars, oh, I'd never need for anything. But, you know, we, we, don't, we don't play that game. We play the game of if only. Okay, because we, we can't think in terms of billions of dollars. But you know what we can think of? We can think of in terms of, of our house. If only I had a bigger house, then I'd be happy. If only I had a newer car, then I'd be happy. If only I had more money in my savings account, I'd feel more secure. Or if I only had more money going into my retirement account, I wouldn't have to, to worry so much. But you know what happens? We think, if only I had a bigger house, I'd be happy. But we get the bigger house, and then we complain. Who's going to clean this whole big house? Or we get the new car. We get the new car, and sure enough, within three years, it breaks down. Or we, have to, we complain about having to maintain it. We complain about, I, gotta, I can't believe I have to change the oil again. I can't believe I've got to do a brake job on my car. Or it breaks down or it rusts through. And five years, six years down the, down the line, we're thinking, if only I had a new car. Or if only I had more, like I said, if only I had more money in my retirement account. And then the recession hits and the, the bottom drops out of the stock market and half your retirement's gone. Well, what good did that do you? Now I need even more money for my retirement. Or I'm never going to be able to retire, right? Or if only I had more money in my savings account. But again, it's, it's a black hole. It's a bottomless pit. It will never be satisfied. We want more and more and more because we're greedy, greedy, greedy. And we put more trust in our money than we do in God. And that ain't right. And that ain't good. So what are we supposed to do? What is the answer? I mean, what is the answer to this greed problem? In a word, generosity. The third blank on your outline is we are blessed to be a blessing. The answer to greed is generosity. In Acts chapter 20, Paul was speaking with the the elders from Ephesus, the church at Ephesus. And this is what he tells them in verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. The answer to greed is generosity. Do you see that? That we help the weak. We help those who are poor. We help the weak because it is more blessed to give than receive. And God blesses us with the ability to do work, with the ability to work hard, not so that we can save up more for ourselves. It's clear what Jesus says, that storing up and hoarding for yourself is not the answer. It's not the purpose of life. But rather, we we are blessed to be a blessing. We are blessed to bless others. We are blessed to be generous to the world, to those who are weak and in need. We help others because it is more blessed to give than receive. In Proverbs 22.9, it says, The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. 
The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. Can you hold on to that one? Can you just kind of etch that into your heart a little bit and look around you and go, man, who could really use some help? Who do I know that could, could really use some, some, some help in, in this time of need, in their time of need? How can I help somebody else? When I've got so much, I think about my house and I think about we've got a refrigerator and a freezer and then we've got a chest freezer. And we've got a pantry full of food. And it's like, what in the world? Why? There's only three of us. How are we going to eat all this stuff? How much food do, do we, and I don't mean the cornets, but uh, we as a nation, you know, how much food do we throw away day in and day out? Oh, I didn't eat that in time. It looks like it's gone bad. I don't know what to do with it. So I may as well pitch it, you know, and it, it's not good. It is not good when we have to throw away food and there are people who are going hungry. Um, Paul was telling Timothy about being generous in first Timothy six seventeen through 19. He says, command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment in verse 18, right up here, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. The life that is truly life. In other words, the stuff of this world, the things of this world, that's not life. We make it our life, but that's not life. We need to get a life. And that's the life that Jesus offers. That's the life that Jesus gives. And that comes by generosity. That comes by helping others in need. That comes by being selfless and being more devoted to, to Jesus and being more devoted to helping other people. That's what it's about. That's the purpose. It's not about me. And it's not about you. It's not about us. It's about Jesus and it's about others. It is about helping other people. But we'll say, we'll say, but it's mine. Is it? I mean, when you think about it, is it really yours? Is it really mine? I mean, who gave it to you? I mean, were you born with it or did you work for it? Who gave you the ability to work for it? Who gave you the ability to earn that paycheck that bought that house? Who gave you the ability to make to earn that paycheck that bought that car? Who gave you the ability? Who, who gave you the job in the first place? Where did that come from? Were you born in the job? Or did God provide along the way? Did he provide the job that bought the house, that bought the food, that bought the car? Is God the one who provided? But it's mine! No, it's not. It's clear. The ground provided the crop. God provides for all of our needs. God is the one who gives generously. God has blessed us with material things so that we can be generous towards others. God blessed us with material possessions so that we can bless other people, so that we can give it away. The reason that God has blessed us is so that we can give it away. I mean, how much is enough, really? How much is enough? How much, how much clothing is enough? If I had a walk-in closet, I'd love to have a walk-in closet, by the way. Um, but if I had a walk-in closet, it'd be full. Do I need all that clothing? I'm one human being. But you know what I say to myself? Well, I wore that last week, and, and if somebody sees me wearing that again, sound familiar? Anybody else do that? Or, or am I the only one? No? Okay. All right. Good. Good. Was that me? Was I singing? Um, but... Uh, you know, how much is enough? How much do we really need? Do we need new clothes every other month? Do we need a new car every three years? Do we need the latest and the greatest cell phone? Phone? I like you and everything. 
But in January of 2015, when Verizon says I can have a new one, I'm going to have a new one. Sorry, phone, we're going to break up in January of 2015. Because the latest and the greatest will be out. There'll be new gadgets with new stuff. <laughs> and new, new apps, new Android apps, right? You know, like, how many Candy Crush fans do I have? Any Candy Crush fans? People like playing Candy Crush? Right, yeah, that's great. That's aw- What a fun game that is. What a time-wasting game that is. Um, <laughs> playing Candy Crush Saga, right? You know, here we are in the midst of this recession, right? And nobody's got any money. Do you know how much money people spend? I saw this on the news this week. You know how much money people spend every three months, every quarter on Candy Crush Lives? $235 million. That's in this country. $235 million going into the hands of of in the pockets of people who created a free game. $235 million every quarter. That is nearly a billion dollars to line up pieces of candy on a phone. <laughs> Sounds silly, right? It's like, are we really doing that? Yes, we are. And the people who created Candy Crush are like, yeah, all the way to the bank. Billion dollars a year. Woohoo! If my son grows up to create a game like Candy Crush, I'll be a very happy man. (laughs) He's pretty good on the computer. Do we really need this stuff? It's not good. It really is not good. No, no. See, God has blessed me so that I can be a blessing to others. God has given to me so that I can be generous to others. God has given me the things that I have so that I can give it away. Because when I give it away, when I let go of it, I learn the secret of life. I I learn the secret of overcoming greed. And it's not about me. It's about everybody else. How can I, you know, I'm taken care of. I have a roof over my head. Yeah, I've been places where people have nothing. I I spent 10 days in Haiti back in 1996 on a mission trip. And I sat and I talked with families in their tin, tin roof shacks, in their dirt floors, we're five or six, seven people living in a tin shack smaller than this stage. Five or six, seven people living in a tin shack smaller than this stage. Take a look at the stage. It's not very big, is it? And all they had were tin roof, a tin roof, tin walls, dirt floors, and a curtain hanging between the two rooms. Seven people living in a, in a shack with two rooms. And do you know what those folks do on Sundays? They get up, crack dawn, they go over to church about 8 o'clock, And they start singing and praising and listening to preaching. And they're there all day long. From 8 o'clock in the morning till after 5 o'clock at night. And they sing and they praise God and they thank God for all that they have. And what do we do? Come on, dude, it's 12 o'clock. Let's go. The bears are playing. We've been here an hour. An hour for crying out loud. Right? No, no, no. We don't do that. Not in America. Not at GFCC. Actually, you're very good about that. You don't complain. And I appreciate that. Um, we got to give it away. We have been blessed so that we can give it away. How do we do this? Okay, so i got three practical suggestions for you. Three suggestions. Do you have an extra $9? Who has an extra $9 a week? All right, let me tell you, let me give you an idea what $9 a week buys, okay? $9 a week will buy you a roasted chicken breast footlong sub at Subway. It'll buy you a bag of baked Lay's and a large Diet Coke. That's nine bucks 
to eat fresh. Who knew that you need to take out a second mortgage to eat fresh? If you can give up one day of Subway a week, you can sponsor a child in Haiti or Honduras through Lifeline Christian Mission. Here's their website. It's lifeline.org. Click on Make an Impact. And you can sponsor a child in Haiti or Honduras. We, uh, the Cornette sponsor a little guy named Jonathan Norquest. He lives in Haiti. We pray for him just about every night. And uh, we pray that he grows up to love Jesus with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and for that $9 a week, it's $35 a month. For 35 bucks a month, he gets food. He gets clothes. He gets a Christian education. He's learning about Jesus. I live thousands of miles away. And yet for 35 bucks a month, I'm making an impact in a kid's life. Because that's what, it, that's what we're supposed to do. People who love Jesus love others. And we give away what we have to make other people's lives better. So that other people hear about Jesus. So that other people get to go to heaven. My prayer is, is for my own Jonathan, that he'll grow up to love Jesus. But also for this little boy, Jonathan, who lives in Haiti. That he'll grow up to love Jesus. And that we'll see each other in heaven someday. That's my, that's my prayer. That's what I want to happen. So nine bucks a week, you know, that's, that's what? That's um, two trips to Starbucks? Any Starbucks fans? No, 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 no. $4.50 lattes um, for coffee? Anyway. Um, but you can change a child's life forever by giving up two lattes or a roasted chicken breast foot long at Subway. Amazing, isn't it? Another way you can help. Second practical suggestion. Our holiday food baskets starting today. We, get, we give baskets away, probably a couple dozen baskets for uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas. And Tom and Sharon and their team do a great job of putting together those food baskets. And uh, there's a table in the fellowship hall in the Welcome Center that you can put food on. And uh, we want you to do that. Or donate money to help buy gift cards and stuff uh, for families who need help at the holidays um, to have a good Christmas, have a good Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, so you have that opportunity. Go to Costco. Go to, how many Costco fans? Anybody? All right, go to Costco, and Costco has ba- uh, boxes of green beans. There's nine, uh, 15 cans of green beans for $7.69 at Costco. That's about 46 cents a can. That's cheaper than you can get it anywhere else pretty much. And so buy a, a case of green beans, bring them, put them on the table, boom, and now you're helping somebody. You're giving it away. You're living generously. Third practical suggestion. Okay, so you can, you can sponsor a kid in Haiti or Honduras. Um, you can um, help out with holiday food baskets, feed somebody for, for Christmas and Thanksgiving. Uh, the third practical suggestion I have is, is go through your closet. Here's, here's the thing I read on the Internet. Here's a great thing to do. You take, your, um, you take your clothes, all your clothes, and you hang them on hangers backwards. You turn them around backwards in your closet, Okay. And every time you wear something and you wash it, okay, then you put it on the hanger and you put it forwards, okay, so you remember that, so you know that you wore that. And then at the end of three months, you look and see how many backwards hangers you still have. Give that away. You know, just take it and say, you know what, I haven't worn it in three months. It's already out of fashion. So apparently, either I don't like it, I don't fit in it, or I don't like the way it looks. So take that and give it away, and I'll tell you where you can take it to give it away. There is a store in Highland on Highway Avenue. It is the uh, Bible Thrift Store. Okay, you know what they do? They take 
uh, items. Uh, they sell them at a, at a discounted rate, and they take the money, and they buy Bibles, and they send Bibles all over the world. What an awesome opportunity. You may never get a chance to go to Africa or Asia. You may never get a chance to go to South America or Haiti or whatever. You may never get that chance, but God's word can go there. And if we send God's word around the world and people read the Bible in their own language, they've got 400, they've done, it's through the Bible League. They've sent out Bibles in 450 languages. And if somebody reads the Bible, they're going to see, they're going to read a story. They're going to read a story about a God who loves them. They're going to read a story about a Savior who died for them. How Jesus gave his life for them. And he suffered and he died so that we could be forgiven. And then they're going to read about how they need to put their faith in him. And they can believe in him and they can repent from sin. They can confess their faith and they can be baptized. We're going to have a baptism today. I'm so excited. And so I'm going to stop talking in just a minute so we can do that. Because I'm really excited about that. But my challenge to you today. Do one of these three things. Give up something. Live generously. So that somebody else can benefit so that somebody else can hear about Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. It's about living generously so that others hear about Jesus and they see Jesus in us. Because in reality, my friends, it's not about me. Heavenly Father, thank you for the, uh, the blessings that you provide. You take such good care of us. And, and Lord, even when things are tight, even when things are tough, you come through. Time and again, you provide for the things that we need. We're so thankful. And I pray that you would indeed help us to live generously, to put our faith in you, knowing that you will provide. Help us to trust you so that we can give away the things that you have blessed us with. And help us not to hold on so tightly and, and to grasp so tightly on these things that just don't last and they don't matter. Because, God, there's only one thing that matters. There's, there's a life that is truly life, and that comes through Jesus. So help us, Father, to be generous in the way that we live. Because it's not about us. It's all about you. We pray these things in Jesus' name.